Welcome again, Bears fans, to Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're two Jamokes committing to job number one with the Bears. <laughs> so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Jim is going to start off uh, with uh, driving, the, driving the car today. Go ahead. Yeah, so thanks everybody for tuning in. Just to go through the particulars, you can follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore Scat. Uh, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. So we've been talking a lot over the recent episodes about what we think about Ryan Poles and his activity this offseason. And I think a lot of that discussion has tended to be big picture oriented because they haven't done a ton uh, in terms of getting the team improved for the next year. A lot of it <laughs> seems to be, you know, a two or three year focus so thought we'd spend a little bit of time today looking at some of the prospects for just the 2022 Chicago Bears and what better way to do that than by looking at some of the gambling lines right so the logical place to start there is the over under and whenever we're talking about gambling lines this isn't the number of wins that they or that the advanced metrics would say the Bears are going to win it's basically a measure of confidence it's kind of like the stock market if uh if the public feels that uh over under is set too high or too low then they'll bet one side of it and it'll change so it's mostly a measure of how the public feels about the bears and i think if we start with just the over under on the win loss right now the bears are set at six and a half right um not very high and i mean right now you know we're just talking about this because we're we're just looking at trying to get a feel of what the season looks like. Obviously, there's a huge amount of question marks before it actually happens. But yeah. you know, it's it, it's just it's just fun fodder to 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 ravel through. Yeah, and there will be changes to the roster between now and the start of the season. But I think it's pretty unlikely that the Bears will acquire a player that is significant enough to really move the needle, unless they trade for Debo Samuel or something crazy <laughs> like that. But for the most part, I think it'll be a lot of tinkering around the edges. So, just maybe, Tom, off the top of your head, when I say six and a half, how many teams would you guess have a projected win total of less than that when we're talking about Vegas? Not very many. Um, three? It's actually more than I thought. There's actually six teams that really? are lower than six and a half right now. The Jets and Jaguars. Is that including the Bears? No. Okay. So, the Jets and Jaguars both have six. The Seahawks and Panthers both have five and a half. The Falcons have four and a half, and the Texans bring up the rear with four. And then the Lions have six and a half, so they're tied with the Bears right now. All those teams, what do they have in common? Quarterback issues. And they're just terrible in general. So, <laughs> with that in mind, that's the company that the Bears currently find themselves in, which isn't anything to be excited about. But maybe when we say that number, six and a half for the Bears, what's your initial reaction over or under there? Well, first I have to take a second to... Uh, say that Jared Goff sucks. <laughs> well, and that's the thing with the Lions piece, is that's the Jared Goff number. Yeah, it I, totally is. I'm not convinced that he'll be their starter week one still. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether he should ever be a starter. They, they could still end up with Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, or, that's true. Or that's somebody true. else. So that win total, I think, would go up with either of those players. Um, Probably, yeah. But, I, would, I would put, yeah, I think I would put... 
I don't, man. I don't know. I think Baker for sure. Baker, Baker for sh- probably. I don't know about Garoppolo. I, I Garoppolo, think, no. I think he's a little better than Goff, and I, I think you'd probably he, he's, see. He's probably smarter than Goff. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's a low bar in and of so, itself. So yes, I, I'm still, I'm still looking at the team through the orange tinted glasses. I actually was reading a little bit um, on The Athletic. Uh, They came out with a part two kind of review of the team. And they admitted that uh, they couldn't uh, help but look look through it a little rosy as well. A, A little positive. Even though there's really, yes, there's not a whole lot of evidence to support that. But, um... I think the main factor in that is just the team has been so bad for so long and last year really hit a new low. So with this team, there's all new fresh faces and and we'd like to see just some building block for this year. And I I I think that they could win 7 games. Yeah, I well because they won 6 games last year, so the question is really, do you think they'll be better or worse than last year? And I know the default reaction there is they can't be worse. <laughs> when you think about last My year... My vote is, ding, yes, they're going to be better than that last year. <laughs> when you think about last year, the roster was terrible, the coaching was terrible, the quarterback was a rookie, or it was Andy Dalton or Nick Foles, the schedule was brutal, the team had COVID issues, so <laughs> I, I think a lot of Bears fans are of the mind that... It can't get any worse, and I want to play devil's advocate with that in a minute, but it is true. The, the hope would be that Justin Fields it plays better than last year and that he actually plays most of the games. That would be nice. Um, the coaching is a question mark, but I think it would be hard to be worse when you talk about going from Matt Nagy to Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze. I would, I would say that, I would say for both of us, that our confidence in Justin Fields playing better than last year is high. I would think, I would hope so. And I would I would say that at least my confidence right now is high that he'll play at least the majority of the games. Um, and when I say the majority, I say at least fourteen games he plays. That'd be nice. I, it, it's hard to play all seventeen games. Injuries happen. Sometimes you just have bad luck. The hope would be that there isn't a significant injury, but that's true in any season. You right. can never really predict that. And that's for all 32 teams. Yeah, exactly. If Patrick Mahomes goes down, the yeah. Chiefs aren't going to hit their win total, no. right? So it's just a thing that you have to hope that the kid stays healthy and the Bears do their part to protect Man, him. just think if Aaron Rodgers got hurt. That would be terrible. <laughs> well, uh, the Packers <laughs> certainly wouldn't be any good. You know that. I mean... We saw them last year, uh, the game that he was out, and Jordan Love certainly wasn't very impressive. (laughs) Um, But I I think that there are some things that certainly could go the other direction this year. I I don't think it's necessarily a given that they're as good or better than last year. Obviously, if we put Fields aside. If Fields plays a lot better, then I think they'll be better than last year. Yeah, that's 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 a hard link to... It's a hard link even from last season because last season there was you know there was games where they looked pretty good uh, and then they ended up 
you know, crapping it away at the end. Um, and then there was just other games that were just, how is this even called a professional football organization? <laughs> well, in fact, I was looking back because the Bears were won six games last year, and that was that might have been the softest six wins I've ever seen, <laughs> if you can even call it that. Um, the first one was against the Bengals, which obviously has a huge asterisk. That was Burrow's first or second game back from injury, and they were still hitting their stride. Yeah, they beat the Raiders, who were going through the John Gruden fiasco. So that was a distracted team that ultimately ended up making the playoffs. They beat the Lions twice, but could have easily lost both of those games, including that horrible game on Thanksgiving, which was <laughs> one of the worst football games I've ever seen. They beat the Seahawks in that game with Nick Foles as yeah. the starter. And then, oh, they beat the Giants at the end of the year when they had completely quit on Joe Judge and they were starting Mike Glennon. So. <laughs> and they were they were as terrible as they come. Yeah, the Giants for the last eight weeks of last year were one of the worst professional football teams you'll ever see. So you can play the, you can look at the opposite side of the coin too. Like you said, there's certainly games that the Bears lost that they could have won. So your record tends to be about right. But yeah, it, it, it certainly isn't something where you can look back and say, wow, they had six solid wins and they were close on a couple others. I, I didn't feel that way when I went back and looked at it in hindsight. Agreed. And, they did. Lo- they are losing. I mean, they did. They did lose Khalil Mack, and yep. I know he didn't play ha- the second half of the season. But when he did play, he was productive, and sure. it actually reminded me the Bears went three and four when he was playing, and they went three and nine without him, hmm. which is interesting. There's a lot of variables that go into sure. that, but it is a fact that he did play well when he was in there, and the Bears had a better record when he did play. They are losing Robert Quinn. So, well, probably. Probably. One way or the other. Either he's not going to be here, or if he is here, I have a hard time believing he's going to be as productive as he was last year. And Robinson is gone as well. Obviously, he didn't play well last year, but I think he's a better alternative than Byron Pringle or Equinemius St. Brown, Oh, sure. You know, um, I mean, obviously, he he would be slotted number one if he was still on the team. But that doesn't... You know, last year he was terrible. He was. By any measure. Yeah, and he didn't... He he had no stats to speak of. He had one touchdown. I I didn't even realize it was that bad. Oh, it is bad. Yeah, he had one touchdown, I think, in week two or three, and then just nothing else. So, not losing a lot of production, but you're at least losing some talent off your roster there. So, I, I think if you had to evaluate the roster... Other than Fields, it's tough to say that it's gotten a lot better in terms of impact players, at least. Agreed. And, well, just to quickly plug in there, you know, looking at the team, um, they we all know about the roster, and it's just one giant question mark, really. Yeah. But um, what I'm looking at is I do firmly believe that Justin Fields will be a different player than last year. I believe that he will take a significant leap. Now, whether whether that will put him into the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL or not, I don't know because he's going from the, you know, the bottom of the cellar uh, up. And so a significant leap could still end up in the middle. Yeah, but that would be good. Uh, which would be, yeah, that would be fine with me. Uh, but... Um, 
But I do. I think this kid, everything I'm reading about this kid, about his work, not about his talent, but about how hard he's working, I just got to believe he, he he's going to go out there much more prepared. And, and that's the equalizer in all of this. If he does that and he ends up being middle of the pack, then I think the Bears probably clear this over under easily. Maybe yeah. not easily, but I think they win eight, nine games if he truly does play that well. If he plays really poorly, they're not going to hit this number, and that's going to be the biggest area of focus throughout the entire season. Of course. As it is with pretty much every team in the NFL, to your point. When you look at... Jared Goff sucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, if if the Lions clear that with Goff, then good for them, but... It's all about the quarterback, and I hope that there are players on this roster that surprise us and that the Bears work through this schedule and end up winning more games than we would expect because last year was no fun, and last year I bet the Bears would uh, finish (laughs) under their win total, and I I don't remember exactly what it was, but I know I bet the under and I know I hit, so it was definitely higher than seven. Um, and that's no fun. It's no fun rooting for your team to lose. It sounds seven and a half sounds yeah. right. And it's no fun rooting for your team to lose. It's no fun when you know they're going to be terrible. And oh, you didn't they, have to root for them to lose. Yeah, well, <laughs> they got there on their own. <laughs> they did just fine. But yeah, so it's interesting. I haven't decided quite yet if I feel like they're going to go over. If they're going to go under, I'm going to wait until. I, Uh, The season gets closer to fully make a prediction, and I'm sure my prediction will be wrong. But (laughs) a little fun nugget to just start the year looking at the win total. A couple other interesting win totals just for everybody that's curious. The Packers, of course, 10.5. Oh, wow. That's less than I thought it was. I thought it was 11.5. Yeah, so the 11.5 right now would actually tie them for the lead right now. Tampa Bay and Buffalo are both at 11.5. The Packers, Cowboys, Rams... Chiefs and Chargers are all at ten and a half. You know, I think one of the most interesting storylines will be Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. uh, simply because time catches up with everyone, no matter who you are. Yeah. And at some point, Tom Brady is going to succumb, just like every single other player does. Yeah. And it, it will be interesting to see if that is this year. Because you can only you can only push it off for so long. Yeah, exactly. It seems like the favorite joke is that he's going to play forever, and it feels that way sometimes, but he's obviously not. Right. Like you said, at some point, it's going to have to end, and I'm sure he wouldn't have come back if he didn't feel that he was physically able to get through another season, but at some point, the game tells you that you just can't play it anymore, and... yeah. He had a really nice year last year. A lot of people were talking about him as potentially the MVP. But towards the end of the year, he had some moments where he was showing his age. So it is going to be really interesting to follow. It's a bit of a sidetrack, but you see they signed Akeem Hicks. Yeah. So that makes a lot of... $10 million he got. Yeah, on a one-year deal, right? Yeah. I think that's pretty outstanding for Akeem Hicks. Yeah. And, And big kudos to him. All Bears fans love that guy. We only wish him the best. Hey, maybe he gets to win a win a ring. Yeah, perfect situation. He's not going to have to play every snap because they have a lot of guys that rotate in and out of that line. And like you said, it's 
legitimate chance to win a ring. And and you know that's that's pretty big bucks. That's more than I thought he would get. I thought he'd be more like in the eight range. The Bears definitely would not. And you know that's a, to me it's a smart move. They would not have been able to pay him ten million dollars. Well, it just wouldn't have made any sense. No. To, Sign him for a one-year, $10 million deal on a team that's not going to make the playoffs even. It, it just wouldn't right. have made sense. So, good for him. I think that's a perfect fit. I hope that he is able to stay healthy and get through the year and does well because he is one of my favorites. And certainly over the last 10 years or so, easily one of the top bears to definitely be out there every Sunday. Um, the Vikings, eight and a half. So the um, that to me actually sounds like a pretty good bet if you read all the talking heads because uh, they're being called quote unquote the sleeper of the NFC. Well, I don't think they're really a sleeper at all. Uh, they're giving their quarterback seventy million dollars yeah. for two seasons. Uh, there's nothing sleeper about that at all. Uh, you know he has at his disposal. Arguably the best receiver in the NFL. Um, and, uh, you know, when Thielen is still playing the way he can play, he's arguably way up there, too. That's a, it's still a deadly duo. And um, so uh, that, uh, what is his name, Irv Smith? That's mm-hmm. the, the, the tight end. So the, uh, the talk is that, he, you know, he can really be a serious factor for them, too. So their, their offense is... Uh, you know, has the has the potential to be one of the best in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, before we knew what was going to happen with Rodgers and Brady, I said that if those two guys aren't back, then the Vikings could be a sneaky pick to come out of the NFC. Absolutely. I, I think that's a tough bet to make when you're talking about Kirk Cousins, but it's a team with a lot of talent that underachieved the last couple of years. It's not like the Bears where they didn't have any talent on their roster. They had a ton of talent, and it seems that Mike Zimmer just wore out his welcome, and yeah. they needed a breath of fresh air on the coaching side. So, Well, and if you look at Green Bay, so um, Green Bay, that team to me, if you look at it from top to bottom, would be ranked a whole lot lower if number 12 wasn't playing for them. Absolutely. Because, because they are... I don't remember them going into the season with so many quarterbacks at the receiver position. Now, I firmly believe that 12 makes his receivers better. His accuracy level is obviously off the charts. But, you know, there's, again, it's something that only stretches so far, right? And he he might be the most accurate quarterback in the history of the NFL, but at the same time, somebody's got to catch it. Yeah, and Rodgers is 38, so like you said with Brady, eventually it ends. And Brady is the outlier. He's playing well into his 40s. That doesn't happen very often. So with Rodgers, obviously not showing any signs of slowing down. He won the MVP last year, but at some point... Asterisk. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) at, at, at some point that is going to start diminishing as well. And we all hope it's this season, but we'll see, but... Like you said, they don't have a lot on. They don't have a lot at receiver. Their offensive line is good. Their defense is pretty good. I think they'll still be a pretty good team. But oh, definitely. 
the Vikings have beaten them at least each of the last two years, yep. including two years ago they walked into Lambeau and won, obviously with no fans, so a bit of an asterisk there. And last year they won here, and the game at Lambeau had a bit of an asterisk because Cousins was out with COVID as well as a couple other players. So yep. when I saw that too... I kind of agreed the Vikings, that one felt low to me, especially when you look at the other teams that are listed at eight and a half. You've got the Saints, the Dolphins, the Patriots. I feel like the Vikings are better than all of them. So. Yeah, and on the NFC side, uh, when you're looking at the, the top tiers, um, you know, there there is. There's a, a small group, right, as there is every year. Uh, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, um, Minnesota. Uh, of course, the Rams, though, Wow, um, they didn't really lose much. No, um, you know, and uh, uh, so I saw that. I saw briefly that Aaron Donald signed a mega extension. Uh, yeah, what are they giving him? The moon? I think thirty million a year. <laughs> He's the first non-quarterback to make thirty million a year. Worth every penny. Absolutely, and the point there is just it's tough to repeat as Super Bowl champion, but. If there's a team that could do it, because that's yeah. like McVeigh's whole thing is they don't hit each other very much in practice. So I think they focus a lot on keeping their players fresh. And the thing with them is they've just got a tough division and it's difficult to repeat because injuries rear their ugly head. But certainly they're still a scary team and they've got a win total. At well, and, and upstate, um, you know, the, the 49ers have a good team. Uh, but there's, of course, quarterback. Mm -hmm. I mean, that kid has come a long way from North Dakota State uh, to, you know, uh, jump in at the in the NFL and say, "Hey, I'm I'm going to be the starter for the whole year." I, I mean, I don't. I don't know whether Garoppolo makes week one or not. I don't feel confident that he does. No, over the last couple of days, they excused him from their off-season team activities. Really? So I think they're just telling him, stay away, get healthy, and everything you hear out of there makes it sound like they're looking to trade him before week one. I think they're going to have a difficult time with that because he's got a huge contract and he hasn't played very well. But I think they're at least hoping to get a draft pick for him, if not a couple. So we'll see how that plays out. But all signs certainly point to Trey Lance starting week one at Soldier. Yeah. And, you know, um, the kid uh, certainly uh, has the has the, the physical attributes. And um, he, he looks like he could be dynamite. But the lack of experience, especially in the last three seasons is wow a, a lot yeah absolutely and we'll see what the bears have for him week one because that's a spot where you're gonna get a rookie quarterback getting his first start on the road hopefully soldier field will be loud and matt eberflus being the new coach maybe he has some tricks dialed up that maybe the bears can sneak one out there but we've got plenty of time to talk about that leading up to week one Last over-under total that I highlighted here before we move on is our buddy Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers, <laughs> seven and a half, which has to be the lowest Steelers win total in years. I mean, uh, you know, I think the Steelers will still be pretty good this year. Mike Tomlin is, you know, people don't, uh, maybe they just don't speak it enough, but Mike Tomlin is definitely one of the best uh, 
uh, coaches in the NFL, probably headed towards the coaching Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> I mean, wow, Roethlisberger has sucked for two, at least two seasons. Um, you know, with Trubisky, I still wish that kid the best. I mean, I hope he does well, but obviously, you know, they, they hedge their bets. You know, they, there's a, there's a, a group of guys that are going to be fighting for that spot. And it, it, we'll have to see if that adage comes in, uh, you know, you got three quarterbacks, uh, competing, you got none. Yeah, exactly. And I think Trubisky will start week one, um, and then it's up to him to see how he plays. I haven't looked at the Steelers' uh, schedule in detail, but I know Tomlin's never finished under 500 in his career as head coach, which is wow. pretty incredible. That is that is that's outstanding. Yeah, absolutely, especially in a division where you've got the Baltimore Ravens, you got the Bengals who were down for a while, but for a stretch there, they had some teams that were pretty consistently in the playoffs and. Obviously, the other side of that is for years and years, he was given two free wins a year with the Browns. <laughs> but, yeah, seven and a half would feel like a, a tough bet for me on the Steelers to go under just because they're always above 500. And, obviously, that's a gambler's fallacy because at some point they're going to have to finish under 500. But it's, it's a tough thing to bet on. Well, uh, especially when they've, they've got a defense like they do, which is still probably one of the tops in the NFL. I mean, you and I both are on the same page uh, about Trubisky. To say the kid sucks, I think, is stupid. Um, because I don't, think he, I don't think he sucks. I think he is a, a decent player. I'd, I'd probably, I would say I would rather have Trubisky starting for my team than Jared Goff. Oh, yeah, I think so. So, <laughs> he's at least above one guy. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm just saying that Trubisky uh, could be um, at least one of the very top uh, backups in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when he played for the Bears, every single other quarterback that played for the team while he was with the team obviously was crappier than him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so... He he's he's therefore not the bottom of the barrel. So for him to win that job, I I think it's realistic. I don't know whether it's probable, but I think it's realistic. Yeah, and I think with Trubisky, he showed some promise his rookie year. He showed some promise his second year in 2018. And then when Matt Nagy said, we're moving to the graduate level classes or the 3,000 classes or whatever it was, that's when the wheels fell off. And yeah. Trubisky never really took that next step. He never took that potential that we saw his first couple of years in the league and developed it. And we'll find out down the road if that was more on him or if that was more on Matt Nagy or if it was just that they both weren't any good, which is certainly on the table. Sure. But I think he'll play decently this and year it, in Pittsburgh. You know, as far as I was concerned, I mean, it, it, it was obviously both and neither. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it it's it's a it was a moving living thing. So there's no way that you can uh, you know cut it right down the middle. Um, but at the same time, Nagy did show his colors. You know, with how well he did with every quarterback that was put in front when he was with the team. Yeah, which was awful. Yeah, none so, of none of them did well. Yeah, so you know, I'm I'm just saying that that kid is young. He's athletic and. Uh, you know, if 
if they if he has an offensive coordinator that recognizes what his strengths are and recognizes what his weaknesses are, he could at least be an above average game manager. And Pittsburgh is not a dumb organization. There's definitely teams that if they had signed Mitch Trubisky, you'd kind of say, well, that makes sense. The, of course, the Browns would sign him, or of course, the Raiders would sign him, or of course, the Bears would draft him, right? Like teams that yeah. have historically made bad decisions. But the Steelers obviously see something there, and we'll see how it plays out with him and Pickett, but I hope he does well. Well, you know, also talking about quarterbacks, I'm just going to quickly plug in there. I'm looking at their roster, you know, and I, I forgot about this, is that they went and got Trubisky with Mason Rudolph on the roster. So yep. that doesn't say a whole lot about what their confidence is on in him. Have you watched him? <laughs> <laughs> he's bad. He's he's bad. But you know, they've got three quarterbacks there and they're I think going into the season with uh open competition. I haven't followed it too closely, but I think everything I've heard is that they're going to give Pickett a chance. I, I just saw that Pickett right now is running with the thirds. Oh, okay. So um, I, I seriously doubt um, Pickett is is a is a starter there until at least midseason. Um, it, I mean, Tomlin is a smart guy, and I think he ends up going with uh, Trubisky and leaves Trubisky in there until Trubisky plays himself out of the job. I think so. And now, whether that be- goes beyond this year, that's anybody's guess. I'm just saying. I think that. Um, he, he he wouldn't have brought him in if he didn't feel like he was bringing in a decent veteran. Week one for them at Cincinnati. Week two versus Belichick. Week three at the Browns. So tough, tough start for Mitch. But, Definitely. Um, wish him all the best. And that I, Bengals team's got a serious secondary, too. Oh, yeah. And they're going to be looking to show everybody that they weren't just a one-year flash in the pan. So I think they're going to come out guns a-blazing and try to... Prove everybody, prove to everybody that they can be atop of the AFC for the next several years. Um, okay, so transitioning away from the over-under on the wins, got a couple of other fun gambling lines that I came across today. Just If you had to guess, just you don't have to give the odds, but if you think like top, mid, bottom, where do you think Matt Eberflus ranks in terms of odds to win coach of the year? I would say... Probably bottom. Yeah, he's almost at last. Yeah, I mean, for one thing, he's a he's a he's a rookie head coach. Um, you know, uh, right now, uh, defensive coaches certainly are far from flavor of the month. Yep. Uh, and uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure that has been directed in his direction, whether it's fair or not, about how much they have helped the offense. Uh, so. Yeah, I'd have to say, you know, it's pretty far down there. And it, you said he's dead last? Almost. So he's tied with Pete Carroll, and the only two coaches worse than him are Matt Rule and Arthur Smith. Okay. So, so yeah, Pete Carroll. Wow. <laughs> Talk about fall from grace. I know. And what that really says to me is that the Bears have, the gambling public doesn't think the Bears have almost any shot to even make the playoffs because coach of the year, a prerequisite to that is your team makes the playoffs. Yeah. And I, and, I don't give him much of a shot for no. going to the playoffs, but I'm not looking for that, you know. And I don't think you are either. We're right. we're looking, we're just looking for them to play competitively, yeah. which I mean I think is definitely realistic and mandatory. Yeah, we should at least see 
team effort. And, and discipline and, is the other Yeah, thing. and discipline. We didn't see either of those last no, year. No, enough with the stupid penalties. No more letting a guy land on the ground and walk into the end zone. <laughs> like, cut down on the mental mistakes and play good, solid, fundamental football is what I'm looking for from Matt Eberflus. I don't think we're looking for anything fancy from him, any sort of trickery like we would see from Matt Nagy. I think it's kind of the same logic that applied when they hired John Fox. It's get the get the clown college out of here yeah. and let's make this thing into a professional football operation. Yeah, and, you know, um, so uh, when I was reading that uh, post uh, the other day, you know, they talked a, a lot about uh, the the running game. And uh, the Bears are in a pretty good position to have a very solid running game because they have two very solid running backs. Yeah. They looked like they uh, improved that running game through uh, free agency and the draft, at least on paper. And, um, you know, uh, the best way to really develop your offensive line is get it to block great on on running game yeah. and then have it graduate to the passing game. And it, all of those pieces all need experience. Well, and when you talk about the running game too, that can include the quarterback on this team. Yeah, he's he he's got some he's got some wheels. Absolutely. So, they do have a good running back room. Obviously, Fields is athletic and when he gets into space, he can make some things happen. They invested in two or three tight ends that specialize in blocking. And so I think that is a clear part of the strategy is they're going to be running the ball. A lot. And they brought in a fullback, yeah, a real fullback. Yeah, that's right. One of the few fullbacks in the league. Yeah. So I think it's going to be three yards in a cloud of dust and see if they can shorten the field for Justin Fields and try to give him, you know, third and manageable as opposed to third and 13 so that's obviously not the most exciting brand of football but i think that's how they're going to try to win games as well as overachieving on the defensive side getting some takeaways and like i said just getting the ridiculousness out of here no more stupid trick plays no more 15 yard penalties for throwing a guy's helmet down the field just (laughs) be a professional football operation yeah um you know, uh, see the team uh, get out there and function as one unit. Uh, see some, uh, you know, see see some enthusiasm. I mean, uh, that second half of the season must have been tough for a lot of those players. Yeah. Just because I can imagine that the atmosphere was probably pretty poor. Uh, especially when, you know, some of your team leaders, right, are all in this disgruntled manner. I mean, how could you not notice if you're on the team that Allen Robinson ends up with, you know, uh, a a fifth of what he was expected to do, right? Or or an eighth, you know? I mean, there's no way that you're around that guy, uh, who, as I understand it, is a really good player. locker room guy there's no way you're around that guy and not know hey you know what's going on there uh hey rob i mean uh <laughs> are you still on the same page as us you know so and i'm and bears fans i'm not i'm not necessarily being critical of him i'm just saying that 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 certainly had to spread like a virus to uh, the team. Of, of course it's not playing madden i mean these are <laughs> right. these are human beings showing up to work so yeah 
when you're enti- when you know the entire leadership group is about to lose their job, you know that you're probably going to be playing somewhere else next year. You know that some of the highest paid players are either not playing due to injury or they're playing but kind of going through the motions out there. It is certainly a situation where you can see a team quit in the NFL. And the Bears, to their credit, I don't think quit overall. I think they were playing hard till the end. I mean, they won a couple of games towards the end of the season that they could have easily mailed in. I mean, you see two or three teams quit in the NFL pretty much every year. And that's like I was talking about earlier with the Giants, with Mike Glennon or the Jets often, or you've seen it with the Cowboys in any one of the years when they've just completely let things go off the rails. And we've seen it with the Bears too. Talk about the second year with Mark Trestman where it was just wow, an unprofessional product out there. And I don't think we saw that from the Bears last year to their credit. I think that there were players that were still out there playing hard, even though some of the more high-profile players maybe weren't. But you know, you want to see something more than that. I mean, that is like the bare minimum in the NFL, right? Is that guys want to be out there because they're playing for their, their next contract or their next job. You want to see there to be excitement about the team and excitement about the culture and the way that the arrow is pointed. And I think that's what you didn't see last year. It felt like there was really no cohesive plan from game to game and it was really just whatever Matt Nagy wanted to do and the hope would be that there's a little bit more buy-in overall this year well and you know the the top players that did leave um I mean I think that most Bears fans well I, I at least at least speaking for myself uh I, I mean I was not shocked when Khalil Mack got traded no. um the only the only reason that I thought we might end up stuck with him was just because nobody would want to take on his deal. Uh, but, um, I, I mean, I, I think that 52 played great for the Bears uh, for a few years, but last year certainly wasn't one of them. And with, uh, with the culture, which right now the culture is, hey, guys, we're all new. We're all on the same, we're all on the same level. That means that you go out and you win the job. And I think that's great. I think that's where they need to be right now. And I think going into next year, that will be a sol- make for a solid core. I think it's going to be an interesting training camp for sure. It's sure. It's going to be battles at pretty much every position. I think there's probably going to be some guys that we aren't even talking about right now that work their way onto the roster. And that's what is that that's what happens on a team that's not projected to be very good is there's a lot of opportunities there so it'll be fun to see the roster come together and see which players surprise us and which players don't and the hope is that we have more good stories than bad stories so uh obviously we're a few weeks away from that but it's gonna be here before we know it and it'll be a a fun training camp to follow yeah and so you know um uh Going looking um, at training camp and then at the beginning of the season, I think that you this team is going to be in motion. The roster is going to be in motion uh, every single day. I, I mean, I, yeah. I I there's only one spot where I feel confident that that guy isn't going to move, and that's number one, right? Um, 
the article that I was referring to, you know, it talked a little bit about uh, how the offensive line really only has one solid player there, right? Cody Whitehair is the only one that is a, that is a, a seriously known commodity. Even though Lucas Patrick is uh, is you know a solid veteran, I mean, um, but you know the the tackles are obviously a huge question mark, um, and uh, you know people are talking about right guard. <laughs> I'm like, no, I, I want to see what happens with Tevin Jenkins yeah. and Larry Borum. Tell, you know? me who, tell me who the left tackle is before we start <laughs> talking about right guard. Right, right. So we're going to see that kind of thing all the way up to probably till the weekend, you know, right up to the weekend of week one. Yeah, you're going to see the thing where every year teams have to cut their roster to 53 on the last day of camp and then the bad teams will go and look to see what players got cut from other teams. And 58. Is it 58, 58 now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then they'll go around and they'll see what players got cut from other rosters and they'll try to find players that are better than what they currently have and they'll bring them in. So as bad as the Bears are, I think they'll be adding players all the way up to kickoff of the first week and maybe even a few days thereafter. And like you said, I think the roster is going to be churned throughout the season. I, I think... Any opportunity they can find to bring in players with some upside, I think they'll they'll do that certainly. Sure, and um, you know uh, another another aspect of it is we're also learning about the other two parts of the team, and that is uh, the coaching staff and uh, you know management. Um, yeah. All three, uh, you and I have talked about this a little bit. All three are completely new and unknown. And so, you know, that's one of the things is when I see some of these uh, posts come out that are, you know, uh, polls is, uh, you know, not building the roster for fields or, um, you know, uh, you, you can't expect, uh, you know, any facet of the team to be that much better than it was last year. It's like, while you can't, you can't expect that because you don't have the data you don't have the data against it either. Right. I mean, so you we could we could see um, you know a significant jump uh, in in players that we've never heard of actually coming to fruition. And it's not a one year plan, is the other thing to remember. Right. If the Bears win three games next year, it doesn't mean that Ryan Pohl's plan isn't going to work. It's just that it's a rebuilding year. It means that we got a better draft pick. Yeah, it's 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 a rebuilding year, and maybe some players that they were counting on didn't perform, but they haven't tied themselves into any long term deals or contracts that they that that could affect them two or three years from now. So if next year is a train wreck on the field, we'll have to take a look and see what decisions they make to evaluate the front office and the coaching staff, but. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a failure if next year sucks, even though a lot of Bears fans, I think, will react that way because it'll just be another bad year. But right. when it's a new regime, you have to look at it in the context of a two, three, four-year plan in the NFL. That's just how it works. And there, uh, while there are going to you know, certainly be uh, plenty of low spots to talk about, I think there's going to be some solid improvement uh, uh across the team in that 
we've been waiting for somebody to be that guy behind center. And I think, I still believe this is about the most hope that we've had for a guy in that spot since Jay Cutler arrived. And let's just watch out for any obvious signs of idiocy. Like there were some, there were some red flags pretty early on in the Ryan Pace era. You remember uh, Ray McDonald, <laughs> or oh, remember, remember Jeremiah Ratliff? Yes. Like, you know, th- there was definitely some signs early on that this guy does not have control of this thing. <laughs> and obviously, it's a young, he was a young general manager. Every new executive is going to make mistakes but those were some pretty glaring ones that if we had really been thinking about it it was kind of like oh man what what (laughs) what kind of head does this guy have on his shoulders so watch out for things like that and a lot a lot of what i'm going to be watching is just like i said just the quality of the team on the field in terms of discipline and playing within their scheme and not making dumb mistakes. And you want to see improvement throughout the year. Even if the team only wins four or five games, you don't want it to be a two or three wins start to the year followed by a string of seven or eight losses. You want to see them get better as the year goes on. Uh, I'm, uh, I mean, obviously our first two games are, are tough games. You know, uh, even with a rookie quarterback starting for the Niners, from top to bottom, that roster is loaded compared to the Bears. But um, and then going right over to Lambeau is going to be tough. But I think it's a really good way to get the team introduced to the NFL as a whole, right? Uh, just because it's two very competitive veteran teams uh, that they're going to immediately have to go toe to toe with. That they don't have that. Luxury. They all haven't been together. Everybody's new, so they're gonna, you know, they're gonna have to <laughs> learn real quick. Yeah, and it was the same thing last year with Week One against the Rams, and we all watched that game and we said this is gonna be a long year because <laughs> these guys don't match up at any level, and that's exactly what happened. So it'll be good to see them tested right out of the gate. I don't think they'll go to Lambeau and win. I don't think they'll beat the 49ers, although maybe they'll have a better shot depending on what happens with their quarterback situation, what happens with Debo Samuel. Um, maybe you can steal one there, but it's a tough start. But overall, and I know it's difficult to predict an NFL schedule, but the, the schedule does shape up to be a little bit more favorable this year compared to last year. Like last year was a brutal schedule. So I, I think that they will catch some more breaks this year and the Bears caught some breaks last year too, and they didn't take advantage of them. Like they lost to the Ravens with their entire offense out. Yeah. So you have to take advantage of that. And the Bears are projected to be one of the worst teams in the league. So (laughs) every team they're playing is looking at the week they played the Bears and saying, hey, maybe we can get that one. So, you know, it's tough to look at the NFL schedule because from week to week things change and, it really just depends on how healthy your opponent is that week and how well they're playing. But I, I do think that, like I said, there's going to be opportunities to improve as the year moves along, and that's really what you have to focus on And you're one of the new coaching coaching staff. Yeah, and um, so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears here. Um, uh, I'm going to do uh, our new... Uh, our, our new 
talking point is piles. <laughs> and so this is a really, a really obscure, weird one, but I like to do that kind of stuff. Um, so I was yesterday I was looking at the draft picks on NFL.com. You can look up on NFL.com. You can look up pretty much any draft. Yeah. And so I was looking at it and I was like, how do they have this ranked? I was looking at quarterback and uh, I noticed it was ranked on grade, right? Now I haven't been able to find yet exactly uh, how they build this grade. Um, and if you happen to know out there, please uh, uh, put that on Twitter for us. But um, Justin Fields, his grade uh, last season um, before the draft was 6.45, which that's a that's a fairly high uh, number. Trevor Lawrence was 7.4. Zach Wilson, 6.50. Trey Lance, 6.47. Justin Fields, 6.45. And Mac Jones, 6.33. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think it's interesting, just at this point in their respective careers, how that number looks, right? Because, I mean, if you if you went by just statistics from last year, the numbers don't equal what <laughs> were expected to be no. out of this out of this group, right? So I thought. Well, you know, maybe this, you know, maybe it's just that one year, right? Um, but then I thought, well, I'm going to look back and see uh, the previous season. I mean, you know, I'm going to look at the uh, 2020 season and what that one looked like. So Joe Burrow, who was obviously super highly regarded coming out, right? He is a 7.07. Versus Fields being a 6.45. Okay. Tua Tagovailoa was 6.77. Okay. <laughs> Justin Herbert was tied with Fields at 6.45. That's good. And then Jordan Love is at 6.36. That's your top five. And this is what site, right? Draft. This is on NFL.com. Okay. So, I mean, you know, this isn't like, you know you know, some rinky-dink little website. This is NFL.com, yeah. right? <laughs> and there are some really interesting ones, like Jake Frome, 6.16. Just in front of Jalen Hurts. Oh, wow, interesting. <laughs> well, so, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because when you talk about the quarterbacks that were rookies last year, there were a lot of them that played a significant amount of playing time, and the best one was probably Davis Mills on the Texans. Yeah, so. Davis Mills played pretty decently. So Lawrence, Fields, Wilson all struggled. They all obviously were in terrible situations when you talk about Matt Nagy and Urban Meyer and the Jets. Mac Jones played decently, obviously, with great coaching and just one of the best organizations in the NFL, but... I think by the end of the year, he kind of showed his flaws as well. So when you talk about the quarterbacks that are most likely to take that next step in year two, I think you have to look at Fields and Lawrence at the top of the list. Yeah. I mean, 
Lawrence. Is, That's what I put. Yeah, Lawrence is going from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson, who's a pretty good offensive coach, and they invested a ton of money in that offense. And Trevor Lawrence was a elite prospect, and it seems like he should be given the benefit of the doubt because if there was one coaching situation that was worse than the Bears last year, <laughs> it was the Jaguars. It was one. Of, they had one of the worst in the history of the NFL. Yeah, I mean. They had a rookie coach that didn't make it through his first year. I mean, that never happens. Never <laughs> so, happens. And so, and it was just a, a clown show all year, where just there was a new story every week about Urban Meyer. So, I certainly think that he needs to be looking at his rookie years of wash, kind of the same way that Fields does. Wilson, I can't say I followed the Jets super closely last year. I know he wasn't very good. I know. The Jets are just a terrible organization that screws everything up. But they had a really nice draft this year, including a, a, a which I can't remember which wide receiver they drafted, but I think they got one of the Ohio State guys. So hope you know their hope is that with some better talent around Zach Wilson, he can take that next step. And obviously, we don't know about Trey Lance, but Kyle Shanahan's a pretty smart coach, so I have a feeling that they're going to have uh, an offense schemed together to maximize him. So. In terms of the actual ratings, I mean, it's encouraging if you look back a year that Fields was tied with Herbert. Right. Herbert's obviously great. Um, but uh, By the way, uh, Davis Mills um, on this list uh, for his season was number seven, uh, you know, ranking the, the, the quarterbacks. Uh, it was Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, Fields, Jones, Kyle Trask. Uh, Davis Mills, Kellen Mond, Sam Erlinger. Where's uh, Where's Kyle Trask play? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he's um, uh, what? Where is he again? He went to. I know he went to Florida, but yeah, um, he went to the Bucks. Oh, so he's not gonna play. No, um, but. You know, uh, at the same time, he's been in a pretty good spot, uh, you know, for maybe the future. Um, Tough to find a better quarterback to learn from. Exactly, exactly. You know, it was was just an exercise because I thought it was interesting to look at, um, you know, because quarterback is uh, such, you know, it, it it is the position, right? And that's one of the things that I, I think generates that hope in me about the Bears is that we just haven't been in this position too many times where we're going into the season without a giant question mark next to who's going who's gonna to play there, not how well they're going to play, yeah, exactly. just who's actually going to be the guy. I mean, you know, it, 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 it seems like it's never-ending. Yeah, it certainly has been. I mean... We had stability for a long time with Cutler, but once you, like you said, once you figure out who's going to play there, the next step is, are they going to play well? And that's what you could never figure out with Cutler. So Yeah, and, um, you know, uh, he, he, he certainly was capable. Uh, and, but it also seemed like every time he would get rolling, something would happen. Yeah, absolutely. Know? And. Never surrounded by a ton of talent either. He never had a good offensive lineman. He never had a good group of wide receivers. The one year that he was really rolling, his best receivers were Johnny Knox and Earl Bennett and Des Clark. So nice players, but 
certainly not the caliber of other top tier quarterbacks in terms of what he was surrounded by. Well, he had with. that one season where um, uh, he was playing well. The the, the team was uh, playing well through six games, and then he broke his hand. That's the year I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I okay, yeah. I thought that was um, uh, Marshall and and Jeffrey. No, this no, that was with Lovey still. Oh, he played well the year with Lovey and Jeff. Or, sorry, with Marshall and Jeffrey too, but. That was the Tressman year when the Bears, I think, had the worst defense, oh, worst, right. worst defense of the league. Right. So, and that was the famous Randall Cobb game. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, um, so uh, that's all we have for this week. Um, thanks again for joining us. And uh, make sure you chime in on uh, on the on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. And. We just went through some of the basic Vegas lines right now. As the season gets closer, a lot of times they start publishing some more interesting things in terms of props and overs and unders for individual oh, players. We're like, um we're favored in two games. Correct. <laughs> yep, favored in two, and I think a pick a pick them in two others maybe. I think, Ooh. I think I think maybe we're a pick them in Detroit and maybe in Atlanta, and then I think we're favored at home against Detroit and. Probably at home against Lovey. <laughs> so, yeah, that's not, not what you want. No. <laughs> but, obviously, a lot of things can change. So, I don't know. Maybe if you are really down on the Bears, there's certainly a lot of ways to fade them. So, right. um, feel free to go and make some of those investments. I probably will as well at some point. Okay, bear down. Till next week. Yeah, thanks for listening.